Thank you, Brother Terry. If you brought your copy of God's Word this morning, please turn to Mark chapter 9. We'll look at Mark chapter 9, and then we'll look at Philippians chapter 2. Mark chapter 9, and then Philippians chapter 2. Three weeks ago, I began a series of sermons based on a book written by Dr. Tom Rayner entitled, I Am a Church Member. The book was written after Dr. Uh, uh, Reiner uh, researched 557 churches from 2004 to 2010. He discovered after that research that 9 out of 10 of those churches were in decline or they were growing slower than their communities. The overall conclusion based on his data was, was then and, and today, churches in America are losing ground. And one primary reason for that is many of us, members of uh, church members, have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be a member of a local body of believers of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that. Many of us church members have lost the biblical, the biblical understanding. Now we have our own personal understanding, we have a cultural understanding, but we've lost the meaning of what a biblical understanding or the biblical understanding of a church member, or what it means to be a part of a local body of believers. And so, first we discover that a biblical church member is a functioning church member. Paul shared with us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he compared the members of the body of Christ to a physical body. He listed the eyes, the nose, the ears, the hands, the feet. He listed those parts. All of them were functioning parts of the physical body. So the physical body is made up of many functioning members. And so each member is important of the physical body. Likewise, each member of the body of Christ is functional. Uh, They're important. They're to be functional. They're to grow and to function as a body. Uh, The church is a body of functioning members. It has many members with spiritual gifts, natural abilities, and as members function, the church is built up, it's edified, it becomes stronger. The point being, each member of the body of Christ is to be a functioning member of the body. Biblically speaking, an inactive church member is an oxymoron. Biblically speaking, there's no such thing as an inactive member of the body of Christ. We're all to be functioning members. May it never be said of me, may it never be said of you that the church has me listed as an inactive member. To be honest with ourselves, we should say, I'm not an inactive member, I'm just a backslidden Christian not serving the Lord anywhere. Because we're to be active members. So first we learned that we're to be functioning church members. Secondly, last week we looked at a biblical church member as a unifying member. Unity is critical in the church. It's important in the church. 
We discussed last week it takes unity if any sports team has a winning season, if any sports team has a state championship or a national championship. Unity is very important. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all, put on love the perfect bond of unity. And so as a member of the body of Christ, my primary purpose is to help to maintain unity in that body. I'm to be a functioning member. I'm to be a unifier in the body of Christ. We've got to put away, we talked last week about all the gossip and negative talk if we're going to win a world for Jesus Christ. Now today, Mark chapter 9, verse 33 and 35, I want us to look just briefly at a biblical church member. Biblical church membership is not about my preferences and my desires. Biblical church membership It's not about my preferences and my desires. Look at Mark chapter 9, and we'll look at verse 33 through verse 35. Mark 9, verse 33. And and he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way... They had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said unto them, If any man desires to be first, the same shall be last of all and the servant of all. Mark chapter 9, that entire chapter, you have a lot of great things happening in the life and the ministry of Jesus. First of all, you have the transfiguration of Jesus found in verses 1 through 8. And then you have Jesus sharing with his disciples about his his coming suffering in verses 11 through 13. And then you have Jesus performing a miracle in verses 17, 29, where uh, he casts out a, a, a dumb spirit from a young boy, a father's son. But look, if you will, at verse 30. And he departed thence after all of this had taken place that I just mentioned. He passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is delivered unto the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. He came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, what, what was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? While we were walking together along the way, you were arguing with each other. What was all that about? Now, Jesus knew what it was about. They held their peace. They didn't say anything. For by the way, as they were walking, they had argued, they disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If any man desires to be first, if you want to be the greatest, if you want to be the first, the same shall be last of all and the servant of all. Now notice Jesus was busy with all these spiritual things. He had the transfiguration. He was discussing this, uh, his coming suffering. He delivered this demonic spirit out of out of this little boy, and then he was teaching his disciples about his coming suffering, his death, but also his resurrection. But notice, they couldn't comprehend anything. 
They didn't understand it. And so, they, they, they just couldn't get what Jesus was saying. Because they were too busy arguing among themselves. Now, arguing about what? Who should be the greatest in the kingdom? That's what they were arguing about. Now, while I was preparing this sermon, I, I, I found some staggering statistics Did you know that 1,000 churches close every year? 1,000 churches close. Now, when we talk about the Southern Baptist Convention, did you know that one-fourth, a quarter of the Southern Baptist Convention, a quarter of the churches, reported zero baptism in 2014? One-fourth of them. 60% Southern Baptist churches said they baptized no youth between the age of 12 and 17 years of age. 60%. 80% Southern Baptist churches reported that one or fewer young adults were baptized between 18 and 29 years old. One or less. We have more lost people than ever before. We have more evangelistic strategies to assist us in sharing the gospel than ever before. And we have those type of statistics. What's the problem? Could it be that we're all wrapped up in our own preferences and our own desires that we have not even noticed a lost world that's around us? That we're so consumed about what we're wanting at church and what we're needing at church that we're forgetting about what lost people don't have, which is eternal life. Judy, my wife, has been teaching preschool in church now for 35 years. She took three years off several years ago and went back teaching preschool. And she says one of the hardest things for a child to understand is that it's not all about them. I want to be first. That's my place. I want to sit here. I want to sit there. I want to lead the line. I want to do it this way. No, you're wrong, and and I'm right. And I want it my way right now without compromise whatsoever. Aren't you glad that we grow out out of all of that stuff when we become adults? Aren't you glad that we grow out all of that when we become Christians? You have, haven't you? Let me, tell you, uh, let me tell you about a strange thing about biblical church membership. Biblically speaking, you give up your preferences when you unite with a local body of believers. Now, I have to admit, there are some things in the church you probably don't like. 
I mean, you'd rather have books and not screens, and you'd rather have pews and not chairs, and you'd rather have a keyboard and not a, not a piano, and you'd rather have an organ and a piano, or you'd re- you're satisfied with just, the, with just the piano, or you might rather have a keyboard than the, than the organ, and the list goes on and on. But however, we're here to meet each other's needs. That's why we're here. We're here to meet each other's needs. Biblically, we're here to meet each other's needs. We're here to serve others. We're here to give abundantly, cheerfully. We're here to sacrifice. We're here to serve. And as long as sound doctrine's being taught, it's not about our preferences and about our desires. It's about Him. It's about others. It's about us serving. That is a biblical church member. Now, the disciples of Jesus would argue a lot. They did from time to time. In Mark chapter 9, they were arguing who was going to be the greatest. They were having one of those preschool, my first fights, or me first fights. And Jesus steps up and he sets all of those grown men down and he says in verse 35, If any man desires to be first, If you want to be first, the same shall be last of all, and the servant of all. If anyone wants to be first, he must be last, and a servant of all. You see, Jesus wasn't only speaking to them, but he's speaking to us today. Here's the point, as a church member, my motivation is, should not be to get my preference on top. But I'm supposed to be last and not first. And I'm supposed to be a servant instead of seeking to be served. So first there's an argument. And then there's a, secondly, there's a motif in all of this. The word servant occurs 57 times in the New Testament. The word serve occurs 58 times in the New Testament. Sometimes the word servant refers to a person who, and they have that, it's an official title in a household. They were the servant of a household. But, but many times it refers to the role of a Christian. We're servants. We're to serve. The term is very important in the New Testament. Jesus says that we must be last and a servant of all. Now, that's contrary to what some people think today. To some, it's not about being last and being a servant. To some, it's about my preference and about my desires. Jesus says we must be servants. Mark 9, verse 35. So here's the point. You'll never find joy in church membership when you're just seeking your own way. Now, there's a paradox to that. The paradox is you'll find joy when you choose to be last. You'll never find joy in your church membership if you're always seeking to have your way and to be first. But you'll find joy... When you're last. He says true joy means giving up 
all of our rights and preferences in serving someone else. It's about serving. So you have an argument. You have this servant motif. And then you have the mind of Christ. Look, if you will, at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. As we talk about servants. Philippians 2, verse 5. Jesus, uh, Paul says, speaking of Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Who, being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, Paul says for us to have the mind of Christ. In other words, Paul says that our attitude needs to be the mind of Christ. Our attitude, our thought process needs to be like the thought process of Christ. He became a servant. So, I should become a servant. I should have a servant attitude. He was obedient. He humbled himself. We're to be humble. We're, we're to put others first. He was obedient. We're to be obedient. And so the point is, is if you have your preferences and you have your desires first, then you have this biblical church membership upside down. And you need to turn it right side up. Which means others are first and we're last. That's the biblical church member. And you discover by doing that, when others are first and you're last, that you have joy in being last. So there's this motif. Then there's this mind of Christ. And there's this pledge that we have hopefully have accepted with those other two descriptions of a biblical church member, and I hope we will today. Now, it's easy to, to sign a, a paper to make a pledge from a screen, or, but it's difficult to, to um, practice that commitment. And I have to admit, after reading the pledge, this is going to be one of the hardest commitments that, that you or I will ever be asked to keep. Because when that fellow church member comes up to us and they begin to complain and grumble about what's wrong with the church and what's wrong with the chairs and what's wrong with the sound and, and they grumble about the air and they grumble about the heat and they grumble about their classroom or their teacher or the budget or the preacher and I can do things better than so-and-so's doing things... Just remember, that old cantankerous, ornery church member is the one that you're pledging to serve. It's tough. So pray for God's help and pray for God's strength and pray for God's power. And when you think that you've had it with making sacrifices for others, 
And you just don't believe you can make another sacrifice for anyone else, especially that old cantankerous church member. Just remember the cross. And you'll become overwhelmed with the love that Christ had for you, a love that caused him to sacrifice everything, including his preferences, including his desires. And when you understand that sacrifice, you'll be able, and I'll be able, to do the same for someone else. So a biblical church member is a functioning church member, a unifier in the body, and one who gives up their preferences and their desires to be a servant of other people. Let's look at this pledge together. Third pledge. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. That is self-serving. I am a member in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to, cr to the cross for me, and I can deal with any inconveniences and matters that aren't my preference or style. It's not about you. It's about serving others. I really believe one reason that we see a decline in evangelism that we're focusing too much on ourselves and not on a lost world needing Jesus. Most problems that happen in a church are not doctrinal problems. They're just petty things. And if we'll commit ourselves to this pledge, then we'll be about the business that we're supposed to be about. Let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence today. Think again about a biblical church member. Help us to understand that when we think of a biblical church member, it's not about our preferences and our desires, but it's about us being willing to be servants of other people. I can just imagine those disciples arguing going down the road, who's going to be the greatest? And how shocked and surprised, perhaps, as some of us are this morning, when you sat them down in the room there, and you said, hey, you want to be the greatest? Then you have to be, not the first, but the last. And you have to be a servant of them all. And so, Father, as we examine that statement as it, as it applies to us, help us to realize if we're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven, it's not about the church I pastor. It's not about the class that we teach. It's not about all of those things that we congratulate ourselves with. It's not being on this committee, that committee, or being head of this one or head of that one, but it's just about serving people. So help us, we pray, to be willing to be last as we seek to put others first. Thank you for servants that are among us. Lord, they, they invest their time just in serving people. They volunteer for this, 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 and this, just to serve, just to serve. No recognition requested. They just want to serve. That's what it's about. So help us, we pray this morning, to have understood this message today. 
And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this morning as you came in, you, there were some blue forms at the Welcome Center. There's some blue forms there as you leave. You were given a blue form three weeks ago, stapled to your announcement sheet, that just said, my commitment, my commitment form. I, I plan to serve in the following areas. I pray that you'll make that a matter of prayer. There's something here at the church that everybody can do uh, to be a functioning member, to be a serving member. So let me encourage you, if you haven't filled yours out already, that you'll fill it. I noticed there's one already here in the offering plate this morning. Place those in the offering plate. Leave them at the Welcome Center. But fill those out because it's, uh, it's about not our preferences and desires, but it's about serving other people.